that was the start. Sorry. That was it. Yeah, this is this is the show. This is the show. Yeah, I, I told you, we, I need an on-air light, so I guess you know I was, when you're supposed to talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had played it several times, so mm-hmm. I, I might have just ignored it. Again, mm-hmm. you were practicing. Nope. Practice makes perfect. Well, this will be our... We have a lot to do on this show, even though I'm not prepared at all. Uh, surprise, surprise. I know yeah. it's weird. I'm not prepared. You're usually prepared. No, not really. I'm usually the one that's not. <clears throat> I usually um, carry it. I think you've carried a fair amount. Well, I think I've carried one or two this year, but you usually carry it. You, it's uh, obvious by the clips that I had to listen to that you carried a lot of it. Oh, interesting. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, so you said, you mentioned you have a, you have a montage you've done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And also, do you have um, predictions prepared? No, because last time we did predictions, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't enjoy the process of being forced to do it. Yeah, I don't have predictions. <laughs> no, I listened I mean, to our last episode where we did predictions, and one of the things I said was, um, I enjoyed it more when I was just kind of off the cuff coming up with predictions, um, versus trying to sit there and rack my brains and and try to do it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So what, what I think, what I think might help instead is we pick categories. We say one or two predictions on Salesforce, one yep. or two predictions on technology, one or two predictions on the industry, something yeah. like that. Just kind of cues. Or we can wait till January and do our predictions then. Yeah. Well, that's true. We could do that. I don't care. Whatever. New year. Well, let's see. What's happening in the Salesforce world? I saw that we have new release notes. Did you look at those? I do, and I have a. I picked a couple of things because I, I just skimmed it. I haven't gone through in depth on anything, but there's two things that caught my eye that I was going to talk about. I'm not sure if you want to get into those now. Yeah, we can. Uh, well, the first one that really caught my eye was the change in the uh, conditional directives for uh, templates. So today what you have is you have a template, and you can just say um, – if to and it's basically just boolean logic but you can say if or you can say if if true or if false okay and typically what you use that for is if you're going to conditionally display a group of elements or an element within a template um often just basically toggle it off and on this is is this lightning web components this is lightning web components yeah sorry um they're changing it and they're adding new directives and this is going to be important because Apparently, they eventually want to deprecate the current if true and if false directives in place of the – I'm not sure if I like the naming schema here, but it's LWC if, LWC else if, and LWC else are the new directives. And what it will allow you to do is basically create a template – insert your template tag or element, um, define LWC if, and then your Boolean variable – basically to toggle that section off and on. And then directly below that, you can have a else or an else if, and you can continue that. So you can have conditional display logic within that chain. And it'll have some rules that basically say you can't have an else or an else if unless it's, unless a if is proceeding and those kind of things. But what was interesting um, is why they made that change. And it said here in the notes that previously chaining if true and if false blocks introduced performance cost and resulted in the property getters getting called multiple times. And that's behavior I've seen. Um, in fact, I've kind of, I try not, I use a lot of getters, unfortunately, but I have tried to 
curtail my use of them because when I inspect the code or I inspect what's going on, either by doing logging statements or somehow finding the the uh, execution tree and watching it, um, I've noticed that certain things get called multiple times, especially your getters. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that the if true and if false were were respectively calling those um, uh, repeatedly. Essentially, just every every call to it was was executing it. So now apparently. Whatever's in that directive will get called once, I guess during the the life cycle, and then, and and that should provide some additional performance. This just means it makes me think that you know it would have been interesting if instead of Salesforce inventing again, you know, one of their own things that they uh, could have maybe just said, hey, let's just adopt Vue as our templating kind of component. Framework or uh, what's the other one that's popular? I don't ever use um, React because mm. then they wouldn't have to be trying to you know inv- reinvent everything. They also reinvent all the bugs and then. Well, I think they're trying to get there. They have the concept of light DOM coming, <clears throat> which is supposed to enable um, more third-party interaction uh, within the framework. Uh, I, I think they just they just they defined a framework with Aura. They tried to reinvent that framework by using, you know, native web components when that came out or that became popular. And I think there's a certain amount of control that they still want to have over the execution and everything else that, and, and thus the, the Salesforce lightning framework exists. Yeah. I, right. I it just, it would have been nice if they could have started with a, maybe the core of one of those things. So they just, so that's a whole massive you know, code base and class of bugs and everything that they don't have to, they're not going to create because those frameworks have been put through a million more paces than Salesforce has. Right. And those bugs have already been squashed. And also you get ongoing enhancements and things from the, from the community, not, you know, you're not having to, turns out it's hard to make money (laughs) when everything is, you know, invented in house. Yeah. I, I think it was just a a pros and cons trade off. I think, Building their own gave them a, a extreme amount of control over what was implemented and what was exposed, and I think trying to adapt or say we're gonna we're gonna use React and that's the framework potentially could increase the, the potential for security leaks and things like that since they don't control that framework at all. Yeah, I mean, I, and especially its roadmap, they I don't, don't know. control. This, so, but this happens all the. The companies do this all the time. They can. There's ways to bring in, um, you know, open source or external products, code, libraries, whatever you know, and and do it in a secure, controlled, auditable, you know, governable way. Yeah. And you know, I mean, maybe they consider that, and they just, you know, I don't, you know, I wasn't in those meetings, <laughs> so <laughs> so maybe they consider that, and just the trade offs didn't make sense. Yeah, I'd be interesting to to under, to know that story. It'd be nice if someone who was there would come on the show and just tell us that story. That would be that, cool. I, I think that would be interesting to yeah. see how it evolved and what decisions they had to make and what ideas they explored and, and the reasons they chose not to. I think that would be an interesting story. Remind me after we get through um, the release note stuff, we should go back and um, Shane McLaughlin gave us some good f- feedback on some of the some of my. Oh, some of your questionable uh, assertions from the previous episode. (laughs) It happens. Oh, totally. 
Uh, the other one, and this one I didn't get to read very much, but the heading caught my, my eye, and that was that improved render time for Lightning Web Components. I'll just read the paragraph. It says, render time for your Lightning Web Components has decreased because of an optimized framework to handle static elements. The change can influence how style and class attributes of your static nodes are rendered in the DOM. Uh, extra white space or unexpected characters sometimes appear in values for those attributes. And I wonder if this is referring to just the entire system. Like, um, You've seen it firsthand with some of the demos of the application that that we built. Um, when you go to basically a tab that, is, that does nothing but host a uh, lightning application mm-hmm. and nothing appears. There's nothing on the screen. And then like a good two or three, four or five, half a second, half, I mean, half a minute later, the screen loads. And then the subsequent loads of that finally load up. And it was just a huge performance issue. And I wonder if this might address that, but I don't know. But it does appear that that um, that they are trying to, to improve some of the rendering of these components and, and and put some effort into that. So that's good to see. And we'll... I mean, that is good to see. Um, that's that is usually pretty hard work, and it's also, I mean, it, you, you know, it's a personality thing. So I think some people, some engineers, really like that kind of work, but I think a lot of them don't. They want to work on the shiny new feature that gets recognized, that gets demoed on stage, and all that crap. <clears throat> and so, people, <laughs> you know, usually, um, you know, it's the new hires, you know, out of college or whatever that you're like, okay, um, here's a list of bugs, go, you know, go work on these boring bugs. Um, there are some people that really actually though, like driving like performance gains and that kind of crap. Um, I think I'm one of those. Are you? Yeah. I, I like refactoring and refactoring for, for the better, if not for readability and maintainability, but for performance as well. Yeah. Um, it just, it, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure how good of a career move that is to work on things that most people won't even notice. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, you know, think, you know, in totality, they add up. You know, if you, when you, if you, you know, if you have a team of uh, engineers, you know, spending a couple of years just continually like driving performance and optimizing stuff, like cumulatively, that really adds up. I mean, if you, if you could, if you could compare like kind of lightning experience or whatever LWCs right now to when like maybe they, you know, the state they were in at launch time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably a massive difference in performance. Yeah. Um, but it's like the boiling the frog thing. Like we, it slowly gets better. You just kind of don't notice. Well, I think it's, I think it's interesting that you said, get the new guys to come in and do that work when really, I think it's the old guys that need to be doing that work. They have well, the experience. Yeah. No, I, I, again, I, and maybe I'm, I'm just, this is just a hunch, right? But mm-hmm. I think this is a, a common trope or whatever, but, and people, you know, that people want to work on the greenfield stuff. I think so. In general, not everyone. I mean, I kind of like renovating. Renovating, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 my whole career has been about renovating for the most part. I mean, I've built a lot of new stuff, but I've also dug my hands into a lot of old stuff and tried to make it better. But isn't it fair to say that most of that stuff that you've done has been vis? It's visible. The, the end product is a visible thing that I think has, you know, helped your career. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't deny that. And it, it, I mean, it's obvious when you say it like that. I mean, it, you, you want to do something that that's visible. You want to do something that people notice so that people know your name and you get talked about. And when, when a position opens up for this, it's like, Hey, what about that guy? I heard he's mm-hmm. done, heard he's done some good stuff. 
I mean, there are there definitely are opportunities for you know the the types that can really get in and uh, they know that you know they just think algorithmically and yeah. they can do all that kind of crap. I mean, there are you know you find the right opportunity and it can be a great a great job and you know, it can really pay you what you're worth and all that kind of stuff. I just feel like it's harder. There's not as much surface area there. You know, like you, I mean, like game developers as an example. Mm-hmm. Those are like kind of top echelon engineers usually, right? Yeah, yeah, and. And they're doing some obscure, you know, probably a lot of like super low level code, probably assembly and all kinds of different stuff. And that's just, it's all about optimizing, right? right. Isn't it generally? Yeah. I mean, most of that, I feel like most of their tasks are just all about optimizing. And again, you find the right gig, like, you know, like, like a gaming company or something like that, that can be like perfect for you. Like they need your exact kind of rare skill mm-hmm. and they're willing to pay. They know what it's worth and they, you know, you can get, you can make a good living doing that. Right. <coughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think I think in terms of that that particular perspective, I think it comes back to those soft skills. You know, it's it's learning how to market yourself regardless of what you're into and what you want to do is learning how to market that. Yeah. It is. You know. Mm-hmm. It, you can't I, I think it's easier when you're when you're building a, a UI because that goes out and everyone has to see it. You're forced to see it. Yeah. You know, you're not having to do anything to make people see it because it's just obvious. It just happens, but for some of these other things, it's something you do have to be more conscious of and, and basically put in front of people. Um, and it's unfortunate because it probably takes the shape of really obscure metrics like, oh, execution time was down like 0.5 milliseconds or something. It's like people have a hard time quantifying that. So it's 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 a tough sell. Yeah, sure. and, and think about you know, a company like Salesforce where they're – just always in this arms race of new clouds, new products, new features, new things to sell. You know, we've talked about that. They, we, we've, we, it's been a, a frequent topic of conversation on the show yeah. about how they're choosing to, to balance that, you know, the new shiny versus maybe we should start fixing some of the old shit, and making it better. Um, it's hard, you know, yeah. And every organization, I think puts, you know, balances that scale a little bit differently. Yeah. And it's, I think it's going to be increasingly difficult for Salesforce this coming year. I mean, I, they, I don't, I don't think they're going to have as many, if we're going to, I'll tangent into a little bit of predictions. I don't think they're going to have as much, as many acquisitions. Although they may, I think they will have at least one or two notable acquisitions. Cause they still have to show, they still have to, they still have to do that growth thing. And, and with everyone, leaving and some of the downturn in in the economy it might be a good time to buy some things that might come cheap and it could be a good story for salesforce in terms of just saying yeah we're still growing i was just about to say you know salesforce is i mean with their stock being you know like 52 week lows and and having dropped um i think over 50 percent from its highs uh, it, it makes it hard to do acquisitions because a lot of times you do acquisitions with your stock. And so if your stock's not worth near as much, all of a sudden it becomes more expensive. But also maybe the companies that you're targeting to acquire, maybe their stock has dropped a bunch too. Right. Because of just what's happening in a kind of an economic environment right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that equals that. It's kind of like if you if you own a house and the value goes up a lot and you're like, ah, oh, we did really well, let's sell it. But then you're going to have to buy another house right. in the same environment. <laughs> and those are expensive too. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, <laughs> that's always been in my head when people talk about those markets. I'm like, no, the only way to do that is like to sell it and go live in an apartment until the prices come down and then buy. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, that, that's that's kind of my thought too. Is that you know they'll probably find some. That's why I used the quote quote unquote notable. Like they, I don't think they're going to be any like big billion dollar purchases, but I think there'll be some notable, maybe strategic purchases. Um, probably because they've lost a, quite a f- or going to lose quite a bit at the top. There probably will be some. What do we call that? Aqua hires. Yeah. Um, type type <clears throat> deals where they can at least say we've bought this. It's we're growing and we also gained this talent. Did we talk about, I don't think we talked about how they, um, was it a few months ago when they bought like some giant consulting company? I think they were the, a Canadian company. Yeah. I think you mentioned, um, mentioned, I don't remember who though. Yeah. I forget who it was, uh, but I mean, I want to say it was like at least hundreds, if not in like four digit, you know, pe- number of people they were getting with that. And that's all, that's all that was, was, yeah. They just need more. They got to go with those professional services, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, popping the stack. I mean, it's good to see that. It's good to see performance related enhancements in the release notes. I appreciate that. Yeah. I would love to see. Hey, John, because I have not cracked the release notes yet. Is there anything in there about bringing setup screens into the current millennium? <laughs> I think I saw that. Um, and actually, there's not really much changes to the design system either. There's just some some new uh, Aria attributes that are enabled and stuff like that but i haven't i haven't dug into everything what about um did uh so one thing that's new since we last recorded is um uh sorry for the lip smack um what's it called devops center is now ga have you looked at devops center yet i haven't i mean it's it's in here as as being ga i really 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 wanted to do mateco i just cannot i've got it all set up all working um well there's a big asterisk around that um We've got the apps and the keys and the secrets and everything. It's all running. You got it running in a Docker container. Actually, several Docker containers. Um, I cannot get my GitHub organization added to Mateco. Huh. And it just says, oh, it's something I think it says you haven't added the, the app to your organization. So you have to create a like a GitHub app, just like a, you do on Salesforce, like a connected app. Mm-hmm. And I've got it all set up and the keys and everything. Um, the, or the, you know, the the ID and the secret and all that crap. Um, and it's there and it's fully authorized. I just, I don't know. I can't get past this. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm going to check out DevOps center. I really wanted to try Mateka, but I just cannot, I can't get this running and I can't figure out how to get it to, I mean, I could, I just, I don't want to, I don't even want to spend a certain amount of time on this really, but I can't get it to log in detail what the problem is. Mm. And I also can't, I was going to try to capture the web traffic, but I, I can't get my, I can't get Docker to use my web proxy. Um, I can't get it. I can't get my web proxy certificate because you have to add its certificate to the to the chain of Docker. I just couldn't. Again, I spent about fifteen minutes trying to figure that out, and I, I couldn't figure that out either. Because I, I thought, well, at least I, if I can capture the traffic, I can see what the actual error message coming back from GitHub. If it's if it's like a, if, I don't you know I don't know what it is, but I, I don't know. Can't figure it out. Well, I thought one of the things they <clears throat> delayed in the. <clears throat> Um, DevOps Center was sandbox create, or I'm sorry, scratch org creation. So I don't, I don't know if it's going to do what you want, but at least I think you could probably have a script that creates a scratch org and then deploys to it with DevOps Center. I don't know. Yeah, because I know, I know there's a whole scenario here you were trying to solve with that. Yeah, I looked in our setup the other day, and there's a you know check a button to enable DevOps Center in your org. So I think I'm going to do that. I'd be curious to to know if. Well, no, 
I mean, what what is DevOps Center going to do for you that the CLI is not going to do, doesn't do? I guess that's my question. Well, I mean, it, it manages like projects and environments and tasks and, and change sets and all that stuff so that you don't have to be a Git master to, and like, you know, and, and, and basically a developer to be able to spin up a scratch org, make some config changes and push them back into the work to workflow that everyone else is in. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were still on that uh, <coughs> Listen, scenario where you were trying to create a basically repeatable demo environment creation. Um, I thought that was the whole reason you were going down. There. Oh no, that's kind of a separate thing altogether. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm really just using for that. I'm using kind of a combination of just the, the, the Salesforce CLI and um, CCI because CCI has just got all these nice utilities that and flows that orchestrate a bunch of crap for you. Let's use that to segue into your feedback because I think that was about this, wasn't it? What's my feedback? What uh, feedback? The feedback on our last episode. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Are we done with it? Um, yeah. Okay. Those are the notable <coughs> things. It's out. Go and check it out. There's other stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was after our last episode. Shane said, hey, I listen. And anyway, he had some couple of points. He said everything that's – because we were talking about I was struggling with <clears throat> figuring out the set of – again, so let me – just recap. So we have uh, an org that we use for demoing stuff. <clears throat> I wanted to bring it under some kind of sane, you know, governance and structure and, and and add some conveniences for our people so they can like, you know, clone these and spin them up. And how do you make changes to it without screwing it up for everyone else and all that, you know, just solve all those kind of problems. So, you know, first thing is like, you got to figure out how to get this thing under version control. And then how do people, you know, and once you do that, you know, how do people, make a change to the official demo org, then how do they spin one up if they just want one to go demo and screw it up and then burn it down, right? You know, how do you do all these things? <clears throat> and uh, so the first thing I had to do is figure out, okay, so what, fee- and I, I pulled all the source code down and there's, um, and it's one of those things where <laughs> I, I don't, I, I think they're adding this to the CLI. I think I saw that, but you still can't, <laughs> it, it, this blows my mind as good as the SFDX CLI is that you can't point it to an org and say, Hey, just, okay. Yeah. Pull all the metadata down. I want to, I want to get this org under source control because we're doing source driven development. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Can't do it. You have to give it a package.xml that has everything defined. Right. Well, that's, that is my, that is my principal problem. That, that is the principal problem I think here of, so anyway, there's um there's a I guess it's a plugin for the CLI that that does it, but I think I also saw that the CL the the official CLI is, is adding that as a as a feature. It might already be there. I need to check. <clears throat> yeah, I, w- I would imagine that's a tough problem to tackle because that worked really well. This plugin worked great. It was like yeah, you know, one command it worked the first time, pulled everything down. That's awesome. Um, but it doesn't do it doesn't do your. I guess it does settings. That's a good point. Um. But anyway, I couldn't, you know, I'm trying to define, okay, now, now I've got the source control. Let me try to deploy that to a scratch org. And that's when, okay, I should get a scratch org definition file that's going to work. Right. Because you have all those features. <clears throat> and one fun challenge about this org, and I notice this when I'm looking at the metadata that pulled down, it has a million different, like, standard objects, stuff that I have never seen before. And come to find out, like when we, as a partner, when you create a demo org, it has every feature, every product, every cloud that's ever been even thought of enabled in it. 
<clears throat> and so I'm got, I've got all the metadata for those, all the the custom objects and the settings and all that all that stuff. And I'm, I thought, okay, well, I can either try to go through all this metadata and delete the stuff I think is not needed, which is really impossible. You won't ever get it right mm-hmm. because profiles will reference things, and it's just it's a it's an absolute mess. You can't do it. So I'm like, well, let me. I guess I need to figure out then what. And I think I actually was able to remove some stuff. Like there was stuff that just for sure. I'm like, this is just not needed. And I, I was able to get some some way down the road on that path. But it, then at some point, it's just like, okay, I got to stop because I could spend the next year trying to whittle this thing down to what the features that are actually needed and yeah. and all the metadata associated with those. So then I'm like, I kind of I kind of pivoted to okay, let's me let me just try to figure out what features are needed. So you know, I'm deploy and see what failed, and then kept you know enabling features, and I couldn't, I just couldn't get. I couldn't figure it out. And it takes so long. Mm-hmm. It takes so long. Because yeah. every time I do it, I would burn that scratch org, basically. And so now i got to spin up another scratch org. You only get like 40 of those a day, too, or something like that. <laughs> <clears throat> Did you find that out the hard way? I actually have never, I don't think even come close to hitting that okay. limit. Because I'm, I'm always, I'm real conservative with them. I'm like, no, I, can, I only have 40. And so, you know, I think the max I've used in a day is like an eight or something. <laughs> well, let's see, it takes an hour to create a scratch org, and there's only... 24 hours in a day so you'd never hit that limit right no no because creating the scratch org is you know what is that about a minute or something um I'm being for jesus about yeah, it I know, I know, for jesus <laughs> no it's um it's deploying that takes a long time because there's also a bunch of packages installed mm-hmm. and that that whole process that actually takes like an hour and a half yeah um, yeah depending on the size it can yeah <clears throat> but i but i um i just i've thought oh um i'll use this org shape capture tool mm-hmm. that sfdx has and so that i mean that works so you basically say hey uh you know look at this org there's my source you know org for my shape and when you spin up this scratch org use that and you kind of got to give it the i it gives you like an org shape id or something mm-hmm. and i'm not sure it may just be the org's id i forget but you use that when you spin up the org and okay well that's great that works but i want to i want to see the resulting org sh- uh, scratch definition file? What the hell is it called? Scratch org definition file? Yeah. Th- that has scratch, all those yeah. features. I want to see that because I then want to go in and like be able to modify that. Um, and also in the future, if that source org, which I'm, which I'm eventually going to cut the umbilical cord from that source org. It's and that's, that's legacy at this point, right? It's no, it's, it was the original source of truth, but now source of truth is is the GitHub repository. So we're going to cut that cord from that original org. But if every time I deploy a new one, it has to refer to that org for the shape. Now I'm now I can't get now I can't cut that cord from that org. Oh, yeah. And also, I think it's a moving target. If someone goes in and modifies that org, that source org, next time I deploy a scratch org, it's gonna it's gonna I'm gonna again I'm a, it's a moving target. I don't my source of truth is still an org at this point. Right, and you're just looking for a point <clears> in time. Yeah, and for some reason, I, I couldn't get down to why this happened or whatever, but <clears throat> because in the past, you used to, after you, after you define that, that org shape or capture the org shape, you could save it as a file. It would give you that definition with all the features and settings and all the stuff. And it, that got removed from an underlying library that SFDX uses. And so they had to remove it from SFDX the, from the CLI. And mm. not, I'm, sure, I'm not sure why. And apparently, I don't know, I guess they're not bringing that back so so that just that's kind of a deal breaker for me i i don't know how to move forward but anyway i think i ultimately figured out the features i needed and 
just manually built the the org shape file or scratch org definition file. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Are we about, are we up to speed now? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm with you. Sorry. I'm just like, I'm long COVID or something. <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> okay. So he says everything is Shane McLaughlin, friend of the show, uh, SFDX developer extraordinaire. Um, Everything that is in settings can be turned into its equivalent JSON file in your scratch.org definition file. So you know in in your metadata you can have that you have that settings folder that contains you know like lead convert settings and community settings and all the all that you know when you on the literally a setup through the mm-hmm. UI and like you looking under you know every different kind of little area has like a settings that right all those are available from as metadata well not not all Mo- lots of those are available as settings and metadata. But the, but everything that's uh, that you can put in metadata for settings can also be put in the scratch org definition file under the settings key. I did I wasn't aware of that. Hmm. I'm not I didn't yet. know that was like equal parity there. You could do all that. <clears throat> so that's that's good information. He says the org create function does a metadata deployment right after the org is created to deploy settings from that file. So it's just a kind of an automatic if you if you put those settings in the scratch org definition file, then when you I guess spin up a scratch org, it once the org is spun up, it just transparently automatically de- kind of does a deployment of all those settings for you. Okay. So that bef- and that's before you deploy any of your your own metadata, basically. Right. He said you can definitely deploy them separately. It's the same underneath though. Um Yeah. That's interesting. Um. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So I ran into another thing that there are features activated in this demo org that aren't of that you can't activate via settings. Um. He said, like one example, soft limits. Like you can. I mean, most a lot of these limits in Salesforce are soft, and if you need them increased, you can ask right. for it or pay for it or whatever. <clears throat> And also, there's just there are features that are no longer you can't get turned on, or at least not by normal means, because they're they're retired features. Right. That this the is a, but this because yeah. this is an old legacy org. Like they've got it. They've it's got all these things. So I figured I had to figure how to back all that stuff out. And again, it's not as easy as to turn the feature off because the metadata and all kinds of like profile things and and permissions it, they're all tied to these old features. So I have to just go through and I actually I think I eventually just gave up on profiles. Completely. I was like, I can't, can't do it. So I'm starting over on profiles. Just burn my profiles to the ground and I'll just, we'll, we'll, once I get this deployed to the scratch org, which it is now, that's old news, but um, then we can go in and we can start um, building up the profiles back up that we need. I mean, we don't need them. I mean, it's probably, probably two or three, I'm guessing. <clears throat> and then once we get those where we want them, then I'll just, I'll pull those changes down and we'll, we'll put that in source uh, in the repository. He said they've done a lot of work on because I'm you know I'm still seeing like hard coded IDs and usernames and stuff in oh yeah and there's I mean there's ways to deal with some of that stuff like usernames I mean there's there's I think Salesforce I think SFTX has some I mean I know CCI has support for that some a lot of people just have their own homegrown tooling that goes in and replaces like usernames you know that that's a tough one like I mean a lot in your metadata you often have like um you know this workflow should fire this email to this user or sometimes it's important like which users are involved with certain features and things and like mm-hmm. how do you keep those out of metadata i mean yeah um 
so there's you know the combination of you know Salesforce promulgated, but also homegrown tooling to to do kind of refine and replace you know like in real time or whatever um, on things like that. But he said they've done a lot of things. I, th- I think the IDs though are the more solvable problem. Like we need to get IDs out of metadata. Do you, do you agree with that? I do, <clears throat> but I I still see them. <laughs> I mean, the problem and is sometimes they're just easier. They're, but mean, they're they're essentially phantom. They're they should be like illegal. They don't. It's just source code. Nothing. I mean, the source code should be valid. The source. You know, listen, we're doing source of truth. We're doing source. What do, what do you call it? Source driven. Source driven development. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, there's some things that exist as data and not metadata. Like record types yeah. is probably a good example of this. I mean, for it's. Well, they're, they're both, right? For, Aren't they both? Yeah, they're kind of both. Yeah. And for some, and for a lot of people, and I've seen this in flows. In fact, I have to change this about one flow that I'm working on is they just copied and pasted the record type ID. And they, they use several record type IDs from in this single flow from several different objects. Well, how do I compile that list? Well, that means I have to do a query, get records on all the record types, um, loop through it mm-hmm. and start assigning variables the IDs. So that's an extra query that I have to do. Or if you're really inefficient, you're doing one-off queries and assigning, but hopefully you're not doing that. It's just, it's just one of those things where it's technically <coughs> metadata. It's configured system data, but it's treated as record level data. I, I said data yeah. too many times, <laughs> but, but it's things like that that kind of uh, lead people to do things like, well, it's, if I just paste the ID, my flow is much more performant than me having mm. to do that extra yeah. query do the loop to figure out how many, all the record types that I need, map them to variables, and then I can use them to create my records. You know, it's, it's things like that that kind of, those little things that add up. We've got to solve those though. We don't need to be, listen, it's, it's bad enough that, that, (laughs) that that you're you're getting IDs and your metadata that's, that's out of your control, like stuff that's in your control. Like, yeah, let's keep IDs out. No, like probably how I'll solve it is I'll write an invocable (laughs) method that will compile it, create a data structure and, send that back to the flow. So the first thing it'll do is say, Oh, go get me the record types I need. And it, it's already going to have uh, properties in the data structure. So you can just map those to variables and it'll be quick and easy. But it, it, for someone who's not code, who doesn't have code, they'll have to do the, the, what I said before. Yeah. Yes. So Shane's saying anyway, that the, a, a lot of the areas that, you know, you would end up with these weird IDs and metadata that they're, they're solving those. And he's got some links to them. Um, and then we talked about like, pooling of scratch orgs, both obviously Salesforce pools scratch orgs, I think, mm-hmm. but also, you know, you can do your own pooling if you, if you need scratch orgs at the ready that are in a certain state that is, that's not just the vanilla state, you know, which makes a lot which of I sense. Which I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting to say. I mean, I would have thought Salesforce would have been like, don't pool our pools. <laughs> oh no, I, th- I think <laughs> but, that, yeah, I think that benefits it's, Salesforce. Yeah. It's just another buffer, right? We're yeah. just, we're buffering our buffers. Uh, he said, you could take one of those, let's say pools of pools, Salesforce pools will be orgs without your settings or the modifications. You could take one of those, apply your settings to be metadata and then pull that in a pool or put that in a pool you manage. Um, he said, I don't see anything dangerous here. So that's good. And then, um, yeah, there's some other comments from other folks in the good day, sir, Slack, which is where this community tends to uh, do its online collaboration. Anyway, so thanks, Shane, for that feedback. We did. Um, but yeah, I really, I really would like to, because I kind of want to stare and compare 
I'm not trying to term like Mateco and DevOps Center. I also one thing I and I don't I I feel like I know more about Mateco than DevOps Center. Mm-hmm. But with Mateco, <clears throat> yeah, because we need something as a consulting company that we can kind of transparently use across our clients. Yeah, you know, I don't want different instances of Mateco. I think I think with Mateco you can you can you can get you can put any as many projects and orgs as you want in it across organization boundaries. Well, I think um, adding on to that. And I don't know why this is, but in our in the education and nonprofit, for some reason, we're doing a lot of org migrations. Like they have Salesforce, but it was screwed up, and we're, or it was not that it was screwed up. It's just their the decisions that were made are not easily unraveled, so it's easier to start with a new org. And yep. we've had like three or four a year of of those type of projects. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a good source of business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's where you know a tool that's locked to an org just doesn't really help us in that aspect. Yeah, and I don't, and I'm, I don't know if DevOps Center if it if it goes across orgs. It might just be a matter of if it's in source, it'll move it. So if you can get the stuff you need from another org into into the same source, and then you can move it. Is what I'm guessing. Yeah, that would make sense, I guess. Yeah. Well, I did. Um, what else do we want to? Do you want to do our? I mean, do you have any news items? I have a couple of news, but I mean, there's not a lot of news. It's just kind of. Um, Monday morning quarterbacking on all the on on things like you know Brett leaving or you know the CEO of Slack leaving and all those kind of things. Um, one of them, which I, I, we don't have to get too far into, but it was it was talking about Slack. Um, when they acquired Slack, of course, it was a huge acquisition, and they were they were trying to tie it into every part of their business. In fact, <laughs> what what was it they were saying that that uh, Salesforce that Slack was going to be the front end of Salesforce. <laughs> That it was just going to be everything. Oh yeah, that uh, was that was going to be the the interface to Salesforce. Yeah, you would not see Salesforce anymore. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I also remember you know you can build uh, you can build you can build the next Salesforce on Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish we had a clip of that. Someone please find that. <laughs> how long? How old? What's this? We're in twenty twenty two, almost twenty twenty three. I think that was like one of the first. I want to say it was like twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was one of the first Dreamforces I went to. When it, Were first- we there for that? I think so. I know I was there for that. I'm pretty sure I was there for that. Um, but anyways, this article um, talks about uh, the kind of what, what was happening behind the scenes, according to someone who was who was there. But it says, uh, uh, problems emerged from the start. Mutual distrust between Benioff and Slack CEO Stuart Butterfield became a distraction. According to more than – Distrust? Ha- distrust. Huh. According to more than half a dozen current and former employees with direct knowledge of the situation – before the deal was even consummated, Benioff went out of his way to dis- distance himself from Slack in public and private conversations, repeatedly telling colleagues and outside observers that Brett Taylor, who was then president and chief operating officer of Salesforce, was the deal's architect. Wait, Benioff? Re- Benioff was trying to distance himself from Slack before the acquisition or after? Before. Oh, before. Yeah. Before it was consummated. So I'm assuming oh, okay. after the deal was announced and as they're working out the – the actual details before it actually becomes official just during that time period. So I guess if it didn't work out, Benioff didn't want to be too, he wanted a um, plausible deniability, I guess. That he, that, I don't know. I think maybe just, it almost seems to me like there was just a personality clash between Benioff and, and Butterfield that they just did not, that their visions did never aligned. Well, and so you, this is funny. You said there's not a lot of news and I don't even know if this is considered news, but I, have you noticed 
the the tide has turned on the way the media is covering covering Salesforce now, like suddenly, or is it just me? I, I mean, I've yes, yes, I've noticed. <laughs> uh, one of the other articles, which I don't know if we'll get into, um, was talking about. Oh, I didn't, I didn't put it in here. It's still in my other notes because I, it's a video. Um, but one of them was a was a David Sachs. Um, did an interview and he talked about Salesforce uh, and he talked about how they might go bankrupt. And he, and he, he said that based on their, um, their acquisition ROI or something like that. Basically how, how much it takes to depreciate the acquisition cost of a new customer. So I guess Mm. the number previously was like maybe two years to, to Mm. pay down the acquisition cost. But then like, more recently, it's increasing down to like ten years, uh, based on the numbers to to pay down the acquisition cost of a new customer. Well, that that I mean that directly stems from what we've always talked about, which is just the um, the sales and marketing spend, right? I mean that's that's yeah. that is your acquisition cost, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's tough. Enterprise, um, especially as Salesforce moves more, and you know, enterprise big deals. I mean, I think they're kind of at the top top echelons now of, of that system, but. The, I mean, the, but we've yeah, seen those for, are very expensive deals. Um, yeah, we've seen for years the saturation <clears throat> that's happened and how that's kind of slowed down or made it more difficult for them to acquire new customers. And they've expanded to other markets, you know, other, you know, foreign markets to try to try to stem that. But you know, up until recently, it's still been cheerleading, rah rah rah, everything's great, beating quarter after quarter, deferred revenue gap, and all that kind of stuff. And even with these big acquisitions, no one seemed to bat an eye at it. But as soon as they reported a you know a slowdown quarter, uh, all of these things are starting to come out, and there's there's a lot of kind of speculation and worry about it. And I don't think I don't think the Brett Taylor's leaving helped that at all. Uh, Benioff has been really he's done several interviews and he's used the same message over and over. I'm heartbroken about it. Yeah, I'm really sad to see him leave. He's my friend. He's like he's my brother. You know, he's really been selling how this was a shock to him. And yeah, I, and I. I even even with the with some of the stuff that's been reported about how they were real Benioff was really not happy with Brett Taylor. I don't know if you've seen any of that. I've seen that, and I've seen the inverse as well that Taylor just wasn't happy yeah. either. But I think my what I was about to say those. I think all these things can be true. Like I think maybe you know maybe that maybe those maybe um, Benioff wasn't happy with how Brett was running his business, um, but he also. You know, really sad to see him leave. Didn't necessarily want him to leave, you know. Um, but yeah, the, um, this is what I was talking about with like, I feel like the, I mean, the media is actually doing some reporting and some investigating. Unfortunately, it all has uh, materialized as kind of real rumory type stuff. Mm-hmm. It has. I mean, there is, there is actual like, you know, they, they actually got like leaked audio from, I don't know, some on all hands call or something. Um, <clears throat> I just feel like this is stuff that would not have been reported on before. Yeah, it it. I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's nice to hear. It's just, it's, it's somewhat, um, I don't know what the right word, but it's, it's, I'm just going to say nice, but no, I don't mean it's nice. I'm just trying to find a way to express that well, it feels better trying to hear some honest reporting or at least some, something that's balanced um, about, about the situation. 
Because I think that's the that's the best way to move forward is to have balance in that. Yeah, because it, it, it sure does seem that um, Salesforce up until recently is, and may, probably still, I mean, got very special treatment from the media. Media darling. Yeah. But I, I wonder if, um, you remember how, uh, well, you know how these big events, but like at Dreamforce, you know, they've got a huge section for all, for all the media to hang out at. Mm-hmm. And man, they got like good, that's where the best food is. And they got <laughs> drinks and everything and like yeah. lounges. I wonder if they... I, I, here's my theory. They really cut back on the budget for that this past Dreamforce. <laughs> and now you're seeing this. They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have the bus that takes them to a special location that we didn't get to go on. But we never can forget, John. Keep in mind, these aren't real journalists, Richard. They're tech journalists. And they, um, yeah. they know where their bread's buttered. So, um, I don't know. It's been interesting. Well, along those lines, and I'll, I'll just say this one last thing. I mean, it, it seems obvious that Benioff was really hoping that Brett Taylor would take the reins and he wouldn't, he could just remain on the board that Benioff could remain on the board and have a little less to do. But I've also seen in articles say that Benioff just couldn't let go of control. And that was the big issue. Was That's that, weird because he only had like one or two direct reports that, you right. know, there was a, again, another leaked thing, a leaked org chart yeah. or whatever, but. So it seems like it's kind of going in circles. Like uh, you got to think that some of it's true and maybe some of it's exaggerated, but it, I mean, I could see Benioff. I mean, this is his baby. I could see him having a fair amount of um, not wanting to let go of certain things or, or at least having a very strong opinion <clears throat> about certain things. I mean, I just, I've, I've always felt that it's more about you have to wait until you have investor confidence in the, whoever the new person is. Yeah, and I think Benioff knows that. I think Benioff knows because this is something that's said over and over, even on some of these negative articles, is they all tout Benioff's charisma, his leadership. Um, all of that. So Salesforce's success probably like a good 80% rests on Benioff's, Benioff's personality. That's a hard thing to say. I just, I, and so for, to fill that shoes, still, to say, still, who's though. my successor going to be? Does it still, do you think? I mean, I think, yes. well, I think that's it, diminishing. It, it might, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's still a big part of it. He's able to get on these calls. He's able to talk to these investors and, and to the analysts and to make them feel good about everything they're doing. And he's really good at, at driving that message. No, he is. He is. He has no qualms about repeating the same message over and over and driving it hard and putting himself out there to do it. He's, he's, he's got the drive and the personality and to do it. I think maybe one of the differences is, you know, 10 years ago, he was really, even five years ago, really having to sell the vision and the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, the growth is slowing. They've, they're one of the biggest software companies in the world. You know, it's, it's, they're a proven, they're a proven uh, item here. Right. Yeah. And so you don't, we don't need that visionary guy who can really sell that. We need someone just to basically at this point, like, you know, do some strategic things, but basically just, you know, milk the cash cow at this point. Um, There's not a lot of faith that has to, that one has to have to believe Salesforce can be the player that they, that they are. Um, well, I think, I, does that make sense? It, it makes sense, okay. but I don't think, I don't, I think the problem is the Salesforce never transitioned out of growth mode. They, they've, they've maintained mm-hmm. this, this foot on the pedal growth mode and Benioff keeps doubling down on his next big number that he wants to be at. Uh, I think if, if he, if they were going to really kind of stop the growth and focus on milking the cow Keith Block was probably it. Um, 
that didn't work out, and Benioff has to, has had to continue to drive this growth message and drive the acquisition message and all that kind of stuff. And I think what I saw with Brett Taylor, the difference between Keith Block and Brett Taylor is is <clears throat> Taylor was being put out there as more of a personality. He was being put out there as as the next Benioff in terms of charismatic leader. Um, and even with some of the interviews he was going on, I could tell that's what they were going for. But Taylor just wasn't Benioff. You're right. Yeah. I don't, uh, and he definitely has a different skill set than Benioff. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a really good chance because I, th- I think this was qu- quoted. I'm um, maybe not, but I mean, I think Brett really wants to work with product. And, and one of the rumors was that Benioff was not happy. Well, this is a good, I, I'm kind of contradicting myself. Benioff was not happy with how much time Brett was spending traveling and with customers and stuff with customers. He wanted him working more on on product, which is where I would think Brett would want to be. Just knowing his Especially background, given, given the messaging that he wants to go out and start some his third company, right? So I don't know. Like I said, that's that's the problem with this. All this crap is rumors and stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Another one of the rumors. I don't know if it's rumor. I guess it's real. Um. Salesforce is uh, has canceled their normally lavish Christmas party, holiday party, whatever. Yeah, I think Adobe was doubling down on theirs. I think it was Adobe on their Christmas party. Yeah, wow. Because I think it was you. I think I think it was Adobe. But anyways, one of these tech companies, let's say it's Adobe, um, was being used in contrast to how so many of these tech companies have scaled them back. And Adobe was like, or, or this other company was one of the few that really doubled down on it, try to get everyone together and have a nice experience. Um, well, John, we've gone from from Ohana to Stack Ranking, have we? Yep. Uh, so yeah, this is from uh, Insider. Is, has Business Insider rebranded to just Insider? Seems so. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Who has the Insider dot com URL? Because it still it still is Business Insider dot com. Uh, tech CEOs are using a tough labor market as a chance to spring clean low performers. Salesforce and Meta are asking managers to identify 10 to 15% of their lowest performers on their teams. It's all those guys doing performance improvements. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's stank ranking, right? Yeah. Is that what, is that what, remember? Didn't yeah. we have, we had that as a title like we did, years yeah. ago because yeah. you know, one of your mispronunciations, I think, or was it mine? I don't know. I don't remember. <clears throat> it was a Microsoft thing at the time though. Well, they were a big, uh, I mean, stank ranking. Yeah, I feel like company. GE was the most famous under uh, what was the guy's name? No, oh, I wouldn't. Know. The GECO. Oh, he's a famous guy. Anyway, I'm sure he's famous. I yeah. just have a bad memory. Googling. Yeah, if I Google famous G, uh, Jack Welch. Jack okay. Welch. He's an old dude now. We're all old now. He was a big Six Sigma guy. I think wasn't that? Isn't that where? Um, no, it's not where it was invented. I forget now. Motorola? No. Anyway, but GE really adopted Six Sigma, like balls to the wall. That was a, that was like a car manufacturer, like Toyota or somebody that did that. It might have been. I don't think so, though. I mean, the car companies had already adopted. Or am I thinking huge Kaizen? Quality. You're thinking of like yeah, and like yeah. and and TQM yeah, and yeah, yeah never mind. Scratch that. I mean, they're all they're all incestual. They, these different systems, they all bar, yeah. bag and borrow from each other, and they're just, it's it turns out it's just um 
it, it gets it gets c- captured and co-opted just like anything else does. Yeah. Um, yeah, Benioff tells Salesforce workers that new and new employees are not being as productive as they should be. And he thinks it's maybe because everyone's working remote. <laughs> it's funny. I'm hearing more and more hints that Salesforce would like people to come back into the office. No, everyone wants everyone back in the office. It just, it's wow. Has that message changed very rapidly? <laughs> Yeah, I thought we were going to be on our 10th industrial revolution where everyone just works remote. There's there's no all the in all the business all the uh towers become condos and instead of uh office yeah, space. Right. But uh yeah, it turns out uh the reason we all go to an office is to collaborate and build something together. Yeah, you know. There you know, I, this has been beat to death, but I mean, I think we have. There's never going to be anything quite like in-person collaboration, but boy, the remote collaboration, just the tools and everything has really come a long way. And just and culturally, people um, are learning how to get good at it. Mm-hmm. And organizations are learning how to get good at or, or fix the problems they had with the remote workers before, which was like, they, you know, they tend to get um, less visibility. It wasn't maybe as good for your career. And, and that's organizations are really getting better at fixing that as well so that you can have a very fulfilling career, rewarding career um, being remote. And you get some more and more companies that are purely remote, even big, like big ones, like thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. Automatic is like a, is one of the poster child there, poster children. Yeah. It very well could be just, just <clears throat> a story of we have this new environment. It's got its own problems and we got to solve those in a different way. Yeah, um, can't rely on the traditions of the past. Yeah, like Red Hat is massively remote. Oh, there's a bunch. That escapes my mind. Right All now. the more reason to develop your soft skills. If this, if this, if this, if this future employment environment is going to be remote, really got to work on your soft skills. Like, we, like we got to have, like, in high school, not just economics classes, but how to market yourself classes. Yeah, that's true. And also, I think you know, you um, we're going to have some other kind of knock-on effects. Like I think um, depression will be a bigger problem. Yeah, but I think um, people, people, I think people, people feeling isolated at home by themselves, you know? Yeah, but those are, I mean, I don't downplay it. It's a serious I'm not, problem, John. I'm not going to downplay okay. it. Because you will, I don't want to get the emails and the complaints. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I mean, you and I were our friendship was founded on at the office, so yeah, uh, yeah. I'd be very depressed if I never became your friend. Yeah, I know. Yeah, where would you be today, John? <laughs> well, I could think of a few places. <laughs> Not good. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, Octa's apparently entire. You know who Octa is? is? You heard of Octa? OKTA. Yeah, they're like some kind of. Remind me. It's um, they're like an, one of these identity like certificate. Uh, no, no. Something. Um, oh, oh no, I, they're, they're identity provider. Yeah, yeah, identity. Yeah. And in fact, it was founded by I forget the guy's name, but he was an ex kind of Salesforce exec of some sort that founded Okta. They, it's really weird because before Okta, there was like, um, Ping and several others that I feel like Okta just like soared past them. I don't, I don't even know how. Hmm. Um, probably you know why? Because they brought some of those enterprise salespeople from Salesforce who. 
in turn came from Oracle. It's, those guys know how to sell, man. Oh, I see an acquisition target there. <laughs> I know. Um, but their entire code base got leaked. Oh, no. Yeah. They're, someone hacked their GitHub, someone's GitHub access or something. That's, that's, that's a, such a huge problem. Yeah. And, and depending on how they hacked it, I mean, what, they just social engineer their way in or something? I don't even know. Yeah, I didn't I have to go read the article again. But Otherwise, that's a big issue for Microsoft. If people but, can just hack and get your source, but like no, no, you know, no customer, no, no actual systems, like operational systems were compromised. So no, no customer information, no tokens, none of that stuff. That's just good. their source code, but that's still pretty devastating. Yeah, because that will be sold on the black market. Yeah. Would you like to bid? Should we should we put our bid in and see if we can prop up a identity company? No, identity doesn't seem like a fun business to be in. It doesn't, for me. does it? It's terrible. I yeah. I hate every time I have to go do a SAML setup. I'm just like, ugh. I don't remember. Again? I don't even remember how to do it anymore because I just like that's Jeremy's thing. Yeah. <laughs> if it's, you asked me honestly, to do it today, I'd be like, I I'm lost. It is. It's one of those things. that's good to have one person. That, it doesn't doesn't take me very long usually. Um, but there's just a lot of little quirks you have. to There are. About. There are. And especially if like communities yeah. or experiences are involved. It's it's quirky. Yeah. And, and most of it, most of the work is on educating um, someone at, at the organization on how to use their system, like whether they're using Google Identity or Okta or one of these, mm-hmm. you know, one login or whatever, all these, or, or Active Directory. Yeah. Um, just educating them on what they need to do. Because there's, it's one of those things like, I can't, I can only do some of this. Like they have to, I don't have access to their systems, and I, nor do I want access to their right, systems. Right. So they have to; they need to learn this, and they need to. I can w- help them walk through stuff, but they've got to. They've got to understand these concepts before we can get. So that that takes the most time. Yeah, that's kind of the saving grace of it. It, it all is just like, here's a tool. Here's how you use it. The rest is up to you. Yeah. Well, John, what what were the categories you had in mind for uh, predictions or just discussions for the year that's closing and the next year? I mean, did we did we want to do predictions now, or we're we going to well, do that next episode? Probably not, because I am running out of time. Actually, yeah, where are we at right now? We're at about an hour. Yeah. So, um, well, let's I, just do the montage, and then we'll wrap it up. Oh, I forgot about the montage. Where is it? It's in our podcast folder. Oh, okay. Um, Should be GDS montage twenty two or something like there that. There it is. All right, we want to do that now. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Let me find my. There we go. Yeah, incommode to inconvenience. Sometimes I'm incommode when I <laughs> <laughs> when you're inconvenienced. <laughs> Those guys are great, aren't they? Great. I don't know what went down. We just stopped talking. We did. I know. But we're both just like, okay, this is the point of the show where both John and I just start looking at the web and not stop talking to each other. Don't drink, don't drink the Kool Aid, folks. <laughs> we know y'all. We know you guys like that Salesforce Kool Aid, but I, I think if I was out on the ranch, I'd probably avoid the Kool Aid. And I'm like. Why? See, that's the problem. Salesforce documentation team, they're just taking time to go to the bathroom, and we can't have that. You know, you guys, come on, get get some bottles. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> RuPaul, the new face of RuPaul. <laughs> God, John, you're a marketing guy. You didn't even know it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> should take a bow. I thought that was John with tacos. John with tacos? Yeah. Oh, that's happy, John. <laughs> Trust sites are bullshit. This is unnecessary. This is way over-architected. This is what happens when your your chief architect ner- get, like nerds out. I've never really read a book on computer science. We're lucky we're under their radar right now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
that's, that's all I can say. <laughs> Remember I, that? They were like, yeah, we're going to charge. I'm like, what? You can't charge for a debugger. Get out of here. Look at the deferred revenue number. I'm just looking for things. There's so many things I'm, I'm like, I don't even know what these are. I, 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 need to, I need to get from under my rock and you know read some blogs or something. Keep in mind, these aren't real journalists, Richard. They're tech journalists. We should ha- start a service called MyCode Plus. <laughs> what will we have on it? John's code. It's too expensive. <laughs> I came up with a theory, but it, it's kind of fascistic. Fascistic? For Jesus? <laughs> Who's it, who's it for? It's for Jesus. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Get the hint that Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. Do you even Salesforce, bro? <laughs> we got to clip that. I just want that. <laughs> it's hard. I need that on my soundboard. <laughs> Super creepy. Well, let's wrap it up, John. Mm, I'm an old man. I need to sit down, you know. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Scouts out there, we need to go ahead and um, you know take the suits off and, and hang them up. You guys are done. Uh, we're rolling back the mascot program. Thanks for your service. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, that was good, John. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> no, I, I had to like wave you down because I forgot that I, that I put that like yeah, outro, right? Extend extended outro. Yeah, hidden outro. That was good. I need to remember to use my effects. I forgot I had that. Um, what do you call that? A, a loud? Uh, what do you call those? Megaphone. Megaphone. Yeah. 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 Oh, that was good. That was a lot of work. Do you? Okay, I have to ask you this. Do you? Um, as we do, you know, as we record episodes, do you just do you like mark stuff? Like, oh, this will be good. This will be good. Or do you just? Are you just like listening to hours so and hours every, and hours? Every time I do a montage, I go. I need to do this. Like. As as their episodes come out, yeah, and clip them, and I do for like the first two, and then I stop, and then I have to go back and listen to all of them again. Um, I'll usually try to do them like time speed, and then I'll like I'll like skip ahead like fifteen seconds or so just to try to find it. I've also gotten pretty good at seeing on the waveform when one of us is laughing because it's that's kind of like juddering in the in the waveform, and so I can kind of see that, and I try to jump to that to see what what conversation was happening that made us laugh. So. It's little tricks that I do to try to compile all this. But yeah, the, the, a lot of it ends up on the cutting room floor. It's just there's so many clips and there's so mm. much conversation that um and that I just can't fit in or it just doesn't make sense in the in the the stream of it. Yeah. So well, we'll end up the year with 17 episodes. Only? Yeah. That's one Well, that's more than than the six was that was predicted of us this year. Was it six? Did yeah. we predict that? No, someone in oh. so, someone in the community wow. said we no. made the joke that we'd only do six episodes this year. Interesting. We doubled it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, that's one every three weeks. That seems about right. Yeah, it does. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for uh, joining us for another year. If you're not in the Slack, dear listener, join our Slack, www.goodday.sirpodcast.com. Click on community. Um, John is going to take the label printer home and try to get to work so he can print out stickers, uh, labels so he can send people stickers. Um, So we we do have a list of people who have requested. Uh, If you would like stickers and you haven't requested, just send us an email at info at goodday.sirpodcast.com and uh, just put stickers in the subject and give us your 
a physical address where you'd like these mailed and just how many you want. I think I can put up to about 10 if you've got like a group. Uh, what else? Um, anything else, John? No. Yeah. Well, um, happy new year. Merry Christmas. Hope everyone gets some happy Kwanzaa. Yeah. Um, hope everyone gets your solstice. Wow. You're good. You were prepared, John. Yeah. Um, hope everyone gets uh, some good time, some downtime, time with their family, time to recharge back to basics and, and a good start on the new year. Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to, to doing some goal setting next year. Really? Is that something you'll want to talk about on a future episode? Maybe. Okay. I don't know if you meant like personal goals or like work goals or both skills goals. Yeah. I think next time I'll share some, some of my goals for the year. Cool. Sounds like a good topic. Yeah. All right, John, I'll see you next year, man. Yeah. Happy, happy something. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I was going to say. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.